Again, thank you so much for worshiping with us this morning. It looks a little bit different in that uh, I am singing and leading and speaking and everything else with uh, the fun sickness that has hit. We have John, who normally leads, is in the final days of his uh, not feeling well, and then Dan is on the way back with our teenagers and all of our uh Teenagers that play the drums and everything else aren't here with us, um, so, uh, but it's, it's good to be in God's house, it's good to worship together, and uh, as we continue our series, Leading Others, last week we started, and really I guess it was a challenge, it was a, a reminder of just the realization that we are in a spiritual battle. The things that we face are not against, as we talked about in Ephesians 6. It's not a, a battle of flesh and blood, but of principalities. Of, it's a spiritual battle that we face. And we talked about last, that last week, that we are to be strong in the Lord, to put on the whole armor of God, that we would be able to stand. And that word stand that, that we talked about last week, it's not just you and I hanging out in the hallway, just kind of standing. That standing is a preparatory type of a word. It is, a, it is a, a stance of action. It is an army or a military stance that uh, when, when we are in the midst of battle and we are really in lots of trouble, that we need to stand firm, that we need to do what we need to do in waiting for the, the rest of the Calvary, if you will, to come and help and and rescue us out. There's a preparation. There is this stance that we needed to have. Again, it speaks of and it spoke of, and we'll read again today. It's having our loins girt, that our belt would be cinched up and that we would be ready to go. Today, we're continuing in on that same thought of being prepared, but we're going to go a lot deeper into the preparation. This morning, the title is Preparation for the Master. I believe that you and I, in standing with our armor on and uh, having the armor of God on and being prepared, will cause us and will create an impact into our society, your individual world, unlike anything that we may ever face. Because of our preparation. I had imagined if we were to just sit and talk just in amongst ourselves today, all of us would remember a time or two where we weren't prepared and we let a situation slide by. We could look at that spiritually speaking. Some of you might look at that in your workplace. Man, there was this moment, I'll never forget, if I would have been more prepared, if I would have been ready that job was right in my hand, but I just wasn't prepared. We let things slip by. Spiritually speaking, as we've talked of, and this series is leading others, really comes from our core value at Oasis of sharing Him. It's not so much the, that we're going to talk through the next couple weeks of, of, of ways in which we need to go and, and knock on the doors or whatever it is or taking the tracks that are on your chairs and necessarily giving them to others as much as it is understanding that we must be prepared for the moment to come where we are and wherever it is that we are. And this morning we're going to jump into that. 
I want to look this morning, if you will, into, really I'm going to do some history teaching. We're going to look at some ancient culture this morning, specifically that of the ancient Canaan or Galilean culture, and we're going to look at the Galilean wedding. See, you and I, as we walk through Scripture, all throughout Scripture, all throughout, uh, especially the Gospels and other passages of Scripture, there's a lot of things referenced of a wedding, right? You know, when we look at the wedding in America, the wedding is a pretty big deal. I remember my wedding. I remember my engagement. I remember, I, I, I can't even say I remember where I was because I don't fully remember where I was when I got engaged. Uh, I shared that some of that this morning at 8.30. Uh, I, I was at a park, and then we went to eat. I don't know which park, and I don't remember where we ate. So, um, but uh, it is great love. It is a lot of love. No, she doesn't, actually, so it's good. It makes me feel better. I know we were in Cuyahoga Falls, Ohio. That's about it, and we were at a park, and there was a steakhouse, and it was really good. <laughs> so, um, but either way, the engagement is something special for some. For others, it's not that big of a deal. Uh, there's some that go all out. There's others that don't. But the wedding, it's kind of the same. Ours wasn't a big, huge, expensive wedding. You can watch TV right now, and there's shows on weddings, and you're like, holy cow, the money that is spent on weddings. I've got three girls. I promise you, that money ain't being spent for my three girls. <laughs> They better be marrying a rich dude if they want all that. That's all I know. But you know what? We go all out by it's a special day. Do you know our culture, though, actually does very little in it when it comes to weddings? The Middle Eastern culture, the wedding is a big deal. It's celebration for days the engagement is not just, uh, will you marry me? It's a huge, everything about it is a huge thing. And so as we get into Scripture and we begin to look at some of these passages of Scripture where it talks about the wedding and it talks about all these different things, I believe this will help us so much to have a little bit of a, histor a historical narrative of the engagement and of the wedding. I believe with everything in me, that this can truly impact how you look at eternity in the rest of your life here on earth. I, believe, I truly believe that. As I've studied this week, uh, it, I, I would get more and more excited the more that I studied just my understanding. We have got to do, and I have to do a better job of it, but we need to do our part of studying the Gospels, and not just reading the Scriptures, but understanding the context and the culture behind where it's at. You know, almost all of the culture of all of the Gospels were written in the context of a Galilean and Canaan culture. Almost all of them. So for us to have an understanding of what that culture was means everything. Because when Jesus spoke, he spoke in often parables, and he spoke in ways, why? Because he was teaching them in their context and in their culture. Paul talked a lot about what? Sports. Why? Because of the Roman culture oftentimes and the culture around sports and all of those things. So he, we, we see this all throughout Scripture. But as we get to this morning, I'm going to talk about, in the introduction, I'm going to talk about the engagement. 
And then throughout the points this morning, I'm going to talk about the preparation leading up to the actual, the day of the wedding. The engagement would often be, and most, most of the time, <laughs> excuse me, most of the time would be at or near the city gate. Now, in, in, in those cultures, again, the city gate was where everything happened. Uh, that, was, that was town square, if you will. Everything took place in there. And so when they would go for their engagement, they would come together and everybody, the family, the friends would gather together and then anybody and everybody that was in the area would all come together. And they would all be a part of this engagement. See, the engagement wasn't just a wedding ring. The engagement was really in large part it was the covenant. It was the vows that were being done. It was it was the there was written vows. There was a written covenant that would be given that both families would sign off on, if you will. Both of them would come together. Both of them would agree. And that covenant was a huge thing. And as much as the covenant was, it was a big deal that the people around watched it and saw it and experienced that together. And so they would go to the city gates and everybody would gather. They would read and 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 come to with this covenant and they would agree upon those by both parties the families would be just as involved after that they would come together and they would begin to exchange gifts giving gifts to the families and here's where it really gets pretty awesome because it wasn't just the exchanging of gifts but then they would come to this place and the last kind of deal the last seal if you will of this covenant was a glass of wine that would have been poured, that would have been given to the bride. And the bride had a decision to make. At this point, the bride either drinks of this cup and seals that covenant, or the bride rejects it, turns it away, and it's all off. If the bride would drink of that cup, they would then pour another cup and they would give it to the groom, the bridegroom. And the bridegroom would then have that same, he would drink of that cup and seal the deal. But I want you to listen to this. Throughout studies and throughout uh, the historians that have studied this, they have found this to be that there was written documentation and other things that as the groom would be offered the drink to complete the seal, he would Drink it, and he would make this statement. I will not drink of this cup again until I drink it new again with you. Where else is that said? Jesus says that at the Last, sup uh, the last Supper. There's so much. Listen, why is the wedding, why is the marriage not just something that our government says is acceptable? The, the wedding is of God. God ordained this. There, this is just a small part of it, but it's so much bigger than anything what we in our culture says. Well, this is just this wedding because the government says. So as we look at this, the groom would make the statement, I will not drink of this cup again until I drink it new again with you. 
See, there's a new promise. There's a new union. There's this new covenant was sealed in our salvation. That covenant was sealed with the blood of Jesus Christ. Here in this marriage, it's looked at in the wine, the same as it is when we partake of communion. To be in a covenant with Christ. Listen, as, a, as the bride of Christ, you have been given a choice. The, the cup has been given to you. You either reject Christ or you accept Christ. Very similar in all of these things. Immediately after this engagement, this betrothal, the the covenant has been sealed between the bride and the groom, as well as their family. The two parties would then depart. The bride and her family and all of those would go and they would begin the preparation that she had to do The bridegroom and his family would then go and they would begin all the preparation that he would have to do. And then the father of the bridegroom would then tell the son when it was okay to go get the bride. We'll get into that deeper in a moment. But there's preparation on both parts. And there was roughly, typically, it was around a year of separation. But neither party, the bride or the groom, knew when he would be coming. But there was benchmarks that would be set that they could watch for. So this morning, as we look at leading others, as we look at this preparation, as we talked of last week, knowing that we have to put on the armor of God, that we would be prepared. Today, I want to go a little deeper into our preparation, that we are to be prepared, we are to be preparing, we are to be watching and waiting, because someday the Lord is coming back to take his bride. Will we be watching and waiting? Will we be prepared for such a day? Luke chapter 12 is where we'll be this morning. We're going to read verses 35 through 40. In my last point, I'll go a little bit further than that. But we're going to read this morning, 35 through 40. And I pray that this can be an encouragement, but I pray that it helps us uh, as we we live our lives here on this earth uh, to, to seek Him, to look forward to eternity. In verse number 35, it says, Let your loins be girded about and your lights burning. And ye yourselves like unto men that wait for their <coughs> excuse me, that wait for their Lord when he will return from the wedding, that when he cometh and knocketh, they may open unto him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you that he shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet, and will come forth and serve them. And if he shall come in the second watch, Or come in the third watch and find them so blessed are those servants. And this know, that if the good men of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not had suffered his house to be broken through. Be ye therefore ready also, for the Son of Man cometh at an hour when ye think not. Father, I come to you today. I pray, Lord, that you would give give us exactly what we need. Lord, I ask that it's through your word that we would begin to see, understand. Lord, it's that we would look 
and live and seek eternally, not just what is here. For the things that are here will be gone tomorrow, but those things of eternal value will be forever. God, would we see that in our lives? Would we be waiting and watching and preparing for the day that you return? For it's in Jesus' name that I pray, amen. For you and I, I I believe that we have, maybe you could say not you personally, but for the most part, the culture which we live, the people um, in our country, the people in this world, we have built our lives on and upon things that will not last. And because of that, it has taken our eyes where they're supposed to be, eternally speaking, and we have so often focused them on, (coughs) excuse me, we have so often focused them on the things that don't matter. And so often we we make decisions of, uh, of life decisions that should ultimately go through the lens of God and go through the lens of God's word and go through the, uh, that spectrum, we have made them go through how it will deal with our financial world, how it will deal with the things of today, and then we look at it and go, well, X, Y, or Z. Do you follow? I'm going to move. I'm moving in, in a couple years. I'm, I'm looking for this job. I found a great job. Hey, awesome. What kind of churches are there? I don't know. When I get there, I'll find one. That's how we live our lives. Because the job is going to allow me to go from step A to step B. And when we get there, we'll find a church. See, eternally speaking, we should look at the things from eternal perspective, whether that's here or that's there. And if God would have us to go there, then we would look at those things. But because we've built our lives, we've built our empires around the things of death and suffering, we don't look eternally speaking. So anyway, as we get into this this morning, as we come into, there is a preparation that we must have. Preparation for the master is the first point, a call to readiness. Preparation for the master is a call to readiness. In verse number 35, we've heard this before, but it says it again. Let your loins be girded about and your lights burning. Let your loins be girded about. That statement was not something new just to this day and age. Back in Exodus, in Exodus chapter 12, God commanded the people of Israel to eat with their loins girded, their sandals on, their feet, and with their staff. They were to eat with a preparation, their loins being girded. Let's get to that really brief as we keep moving on. Again, most of you today would probably know, in that day and age, most of them would wear a robe. And in order to have their loins girded, they would have to cinch it up, they would tie it, And they would pull it up so that they could run, so that they could move about, so that they could be comfortable in action. Otherwise, I've never really worn a skirt, but uh, I'd imagine it could get in your way in many different ways of trying to run and do those things. 
but it was the loins girt. They would be cinched up. They would pull it up and be ready to go, ready to fight, ready to run, ready to do whatever it was. In Exodus, God said that they would be prepared with their loins girded. In 1 Kings 18, Elijah girded his loins, outran Ahab and Jezreel after the victory over Baal. Job chapter 38, the Lord commanded him to gird up your loins like a man. Jeremiah chapter 1, I believe it's in verse 17. It says to gird up your loins and arise and speak to them all which I command you. Jeremiah was called to be a prophet and God said, Jeremiah, you must have your loins girded and go and share and speak to those that I've commanded you. There's a preparation that we must have. There's a, a, a readiness. There's a, a stance that we must take that we are ready and prepared for the battle that we're facing. Our loins must be girded, as it says in this passage of Scripture, and our lights must be burning. Our lamps must be on. If we were to go throughout Scripture, it speaks often of God's Word as a lamp. It talks about other things with light. But there must be a preparation to have our lamps burning. Lamp was light. Lamp was knowledge. Light was knowledge. We are not to be ignorant. God's Word says in John 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. You know, the only way to keep our lamps burning is what's been said, was that that oil we have to constantly refresh and constantly fill and constantly be prepared to keep our lamps burning. Psalm 119, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Ephesians 5, 8, for we were sometimes in darkness, but now ye are light in the Lord. Walk then as children of light. Matthew chapter 25 is a very similar passage to Luke chapter 12. And it speaks here that their lamps, that the foolish let their lamps go out. They were going to a wedding. There was a group of people that had their lamps and they were lit and they had all the oil and they had everything to keep things burning, to keep the light going. And over here, this group of people had their lamps burning, but there was no, not enough oil to keep it burning. So they came over here, hey, can you give us some of yours? And they said, well, no, because if we give it to you, then both of us will go out. They were not prepared they were shut out of the wedding by the bridegroom, which speaks of a spiritual unpreparedness. We must be prepared with our lamps lit, with our loins being girded. As we look back at the wedding, the bride would lead the bridegroom. Both of them would have work to do. Both of them had a time of preparation that they needed to get things done before, as we read in this passage, the door would come knocking that we must immediately give an answer to. The bridegroom would have to leave and go back to his father's house and begin to build. He wasn't building on the property. He would build onto the existing house. They would, the dad would have a, a, a house and, and the, the, bride, or the bridegroom would come back and he would take and, and add a little courtyard, but he would, he would then add his house right next to and onto the existing house of the father. He would go and he would get the wood. He would get all the materials. He would gather everything and that could take weeks and months. 
to go and to gather, to get everything to be just the way that it needs to be so he could build it all up. And, and he would build it up and he's hammering away and he has all of the, the brothers and the family, I'd imagine, would all gather and begin to do all these things with him. And as it was ready, he would go back to the father and he would say, Dad, Dad, hey, I'm ready. Can you come look at my house? Can you come and let me know that it's okay? The bride would be doing her thing. She's gathering and preparing. She's working to make sure that her, her, her dress is beautiful. And she would have to go and she couldn't go on Amazon and it'd be delivered tomorrow. She had to hunt down and find all the silks and all the different kinds of materials that it would take. And some of that could take days and months to go and have to travel to the places to go pick it up and to bring it back. And her and her bridesmaids and others would gather and they would do all of these things to prepare the dress and to prepare everything that had to be done. And the bridegroom is over here asking dad, dad, hey, uh, come look at my house. And the father would come and the father would look at the house. Son, that's, that's a great place. Now just wait. And I'll let you know when it's time to go and get your bride. And the bride is over at her place and the bride has got, uh, the dress is prepared and everything's prepared and she's now just in a state of waiting. And she doesn't know when the bridegroom is coming. But the dress is prepared. See, the bride would be waiting, prepared. Many times it says that she would, they would literally sleep in their gown because if they came in the middle of the night, which most of the weddings in that day would happen was in the middle of the night, and she would be prepared to get up and go to her groom ready. The bride was to be pure. The bride was to be pure and ready and prepared. Church, this morning, we are the bride. Jesus is the bridegroom, and he has said to the Father, Father, is my house okay? I don't know where we are in this picture of eternity and picture of how this is working but in my heart of hearts I have to believe that Jesus Christ has done his building and Jesus has done the things that he is supposed to do and he has said father is it ready can I can I go and get my bride and the father has said everything is good I will then come and let you know Church, I wonder if I'm prepared. Are you and I prepared? Are we prepared for the, the Lord to return in the middle of the night? Are we prepared? Are we waiting with the dress and the gown on? Are we ready? Are we watching and waiting? Are we excited? Are we looking on with anticipation of the, excuse me, the amazing return that we will see? Titus chapter 2 says, looking for that blessed hope 
the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. 2 Peter 3 and verse 12 says, Looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God. This morning you might think about this passage of Scripture and you may have thought of last week and you might go, Aaron, what does this have to do with sharing Him? You're not talking to us. You're not teaching us how to share the gospel with others. No, here's, my, here's what I believe with everything in me. Many of us might have an understanding of how to share the gospel and how to go through Romans Road and how to say a prayer with somebody, but we're not prepared when the person comes to stand before us because we don't care. We often just don't care. Oh, I've got time. Listen, I may have hundreds of years. I may have three seconds. Am I prepared? The bride left and worked and worked and worked and worked to make a beautiful gown so that she could stand before the groom in beauty. I'll never forget watching my wife walk down the aisle When she came through the doors, I looked at my mom and I said, she's beautiful. I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. And I tell every man that stands in the front of an aisle at a wedding, you just look because you'll never forget that look. Are we prepared? When he comes back, is he going to go, oh, my bride, she's beautiful. She's pure. She's prepared. She's absolutely gorgeous. I have to be prepared. We ought to, listen, as I read this, the more that I read it, the more that I studied, honestly, the more excited I got. I said it to the first group and I texted my wife in the middle of it. I'm literally sitting at my coffee spot doing my thing and I'm writing away and I'm typing. (laughs) I guess I'm typing away. And there was moments where I literally just got a huge smile on my face. I'm really glad nobody was watching me because I'm just sitting there and all of a sudden not talking, not listening, not doing anything. Just (laughs) and I just get the smile. I'm like, I, I got excited. Am I prepared? Are we prepared? Are we prepared? Are we studying to show ourselves approved unto God? Is the Lord, is God's word a lamp that is lighting our path? Are we putting on the armor of God and standing and ready in preparation for the return of our Savior and we're actively seeking after Him? Are we prepared? Preparation for the master is a call to readiness. Preparation for the master is a call to the servant. As we look at this passage in 36, it says, And ye yourselves like unto men that wait for their Lord when he will return from the wedding, that when he cometh and knocketh, they may open unto him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. 
Verily I say unto you that he shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet and will come forth and serve them. Be like men who wait for their masters that when he comes we're watching. That watching comes with preparation. I love to have people at our house. We may not be what you might call the greatest hosts in the world. I don't consider us great hosts. We love to have people. We love to fellowship. We love to sit down. Have you ever been to that house where you go and they've got the platters out and they've got everything perfect and they're there? Oh, can I get you a drink? And can I get you this? And can, oh, thank you so much. And oh, if you need the restroom, it's down the hall. And have you ever been to that place? That's not my house. When you come into our house, my shoes are going to be off, most likely. I'm going to invite you in. I'm going to say, have a seat on the couch, and I'm going to sit down on another couch, and we're going to just hang out and chat, and we're going to eat, we're going to do whatever. I'm going to have drinks out. We're going to have all that. But when you come to my home, you're coming to my home as a guest, and I want you to feel like you're at home, and I want you to kick your shoes off, and I want you to be just as at home. That's just who we are. However, there's a lot of preparation that goes into that, right? Maybe for you, maybe not for you, I don't know. Typically more for my wife than it is for me. But usually there's cleaning. The floors are getting mopped. The couches are getting vacuumed. Because who knows what leftovers are in there. All of these things. The dinners or the cookies or whatever is being prepared for the time of whoever is coming. There is a preparation that's going to happen. I'll usually sit down on the couch, turn on the TV, which is where our Pandora is, and I'll turn on some Pandora and some Christian music or something. So when people come in, it's just kind of a nice atmosphere, I guess you would say. But there's, an anti- there's a preparation and anticipation. Every Wednesday night... This happens in my home for life groups. Every week. Whatever the food is, it gets set out. I don't care if you've been to our house a hundred times or if it's the first time you come, and the same for you. There's a little bit of an anticipation and excitement when people are coming to your house. And there's a preparation. Nobody wants to be caught off guard. Anybody had that happen? You're relatives just randomly show up and you're like oh that would have been great if you'd have told me so I could have the house clean or so that something could have been ready for you right there's an anticipation there's an excitement of being ready of watching of waiting why for when the door comes we get up and we're excited to welcome somebody into our home this is what this speaks of there was no specific time frame that a lot of things would take place. But the bridegroom, the father had come and said, son, go get your bride. And he would gather his stuff and he would gather the people that needed to go and he would leave and the servants and others would stay and they would continue to prepare, but they did not know when he was coming back so that they could have their huge celebration. And when he would go, they would go and pick up the bride 
And they would literally pick up the bride. And the bride would be set upon one of those chair things that the four men would stand and... What is it? What did you say? Oh, I thought you called... I know it's called something. I just don't know what it's called. And they would carry the bride all the way back to the house. Let me ask you, how are we going to be taken to the house? We're going to be caught up in the sky. Again, it's imagery. It's just a symbol. It's all of those things. But the bride never walked from the house to the house. The bride was lifted and carried. And as we look at this, there was an anticipation that the door was going to be knocked upon. There was an anticipation, there was a preparedness, there was the cleaning and the cooking and all of the things for the hosts. There was people coming in and they would wait for the knock on the door. For them, the wedding celebration would last days, oftentimes up into a week. But they didn't know when the bridegroom would return. So they had to be vigilant and diligent Preparing, and when the door was knocked upon, they would open the door. See, the bride was treated as a queen, the groom was treated as a king. But when they would arrive, The servants would come and they would answer with excitement. They would answer with anticipation. But it says in this passage, Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, or the Master, when He cometh, shall find watching. That is, they are ready and they are serving and they are prepared. Verily I say unto you, that he shall gird himself and make them sit down to meet and will come forth and serve them. What did Jesus do at the Last Supper? He girded himself and the Master served the servant. And it speaks of this same thing. For those that are prepared, for those that are watching, for those that are servants, for those that are doing that, the master would come into the house, the groom would come into the house, and he would gird himself, and he would have the servant sit, and he would get upon his knee, and he would begin to serve those who ought to be serving him. Why? (laughs) Why would God choose you or me? Why would our almighty God serve any of us but that's what this is a picture of that the king the master would bow in service to his faithful servant church we must be watching and waiting we must be ready We must be prepared to answer that door. We must 
not be caught off guard. If you go through this scripture, it speaks of being caught off guard, whether it's the second or third watch. And this know that if, if the good men of the house had known what hour, listen, I don't want any of you to stand at that day and that the end of that time comes and all of a sudden you're going, but if I would have just known, if somebody would have just told me that the bad guy was coming, I would have been inside with my guns and I would have been inside with my whatever and I would have been all prepared. No, I'm telling you right now, the Lord is coming. I don't know when, but I promise he's coming. Don't sit at home and be caught off guard. We can't. But we are. So often we are. I said it last week personally. So often I have found myself far too comfortable because it's easy. It's, it's easy to come here today. There was nobody outside your door that said, hey, where are you going? Nobody. There was nobody checking us in at the door to make sure there's nobody watching us, and if they are, good on you. But there's, there's none of that. We're comfortable. And if we don't want to come today and we'd rather just watch it on our phone as we travel from point A to point B because we just didn't want to come in to church, we can do that too. It's comfortable. You know what we do in our comfort? We're off guard. Do you know why I believe, and, and I truly believe this? Do you know why I believe that 2020 hit America and hit the church like it did? Because we're just caught off guard. We weren't prepared. Because it's comfortable. You know why I said it months and months and months ago as I'm hoping that we can do things normal and as I'm just wanting to get back to whatever and I looked at Dan and I, we were talking about the election, we're talking about the stuff, we're talking about all these things and I said here's the reality though, I believe that it may just be that we need to be a little uncomfortable for God to get our attention. I've thought of things and I've read scripture different the last several months. Because I feel like I've been pushed a little bit to be uncomfortable. I've read this passage of scripture before, but I read it this week a lot different. I read it with a genuine excitement of He's coming back. God is coming back. And I'm not telling you a day, and I'm not trying to be a prophetic whatever and tell you that you've got to be ready in the next six months because in 37 days or in however many days he's going to return. I'm not telling you any of that. I never will tell you any of that. Those people that tell you that, you need to shut them off and you need to not listen to them. There's a lot of false prophets talking right now, and you need to shut it out of your life. But anyway, that's a whole other concept. Here is what we know. We know he's returning. 
And the clown that wants to give you a day is just that, a clown. It's not about the day. It's not about any of those things. God said no one will know the day or the time. The father is looking down and he's going to say, son, go get your children. My job and your job is really simple. I must be prepared, waiting and watching, having my gown on, wanting to look beautiful for my father, for my groom that's coming. And I want to say, God, I'm ready. I'm ready. And I'm waiting with anticipation. I'm not scared. I wish I knew more. (laughs) I wish I knew everything that was about to happen over the next few days and a few weeks. But guess what? I'm uneasy with some stuff because I just don't like what I'm seeing and reading and hearing and what I just common sense tells me. But I'm not afraid. I don't want to have a church that has to go underground. I don't believe that's where we're at, just so you know. I'm not there. I'm not that guy. But I'll promise you this. We will if we have to. We have to be prepared. We have to be waiting and watching. Listen, the brothers and sisters, the people that know the Lord around the world that are being persecuted, put to death, I promise you, they're prepared. Because when they got in that baptismal... And they said, I am a follower of Jesus. They instantly put a bullseye on their chest and said, here I am. You know what we do? We're comfortable. We get in a baptismal oftentimes because it's just, that's what everyone else is doing. It's a different level of commitment. It's a different level of comfort. Are we ready? Are we prepared? A preparation for the master is a call to readiness. It's a call to the servant and a preparation for the master is an eternal blessing. In verse number 37, again, it says, Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. That is, active and serving and prepared. Verily I say unto you that he shall gird himself, make them to sit down to meet, and will come forth and serve them. The blessing that God has for his servants who are girded and prepared. Who have the armor. Who are waiting and watching. Who are standing in that stance. Who are ready. The bride who is sleeping in that gown when the bridegroom comes is prepared and ready to go with the groom. To go back to the father's house. Verses 42 through 44 it says this in Luke 12. And the Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward, whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household, to give them their portion of meat in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find doing or so doing. Of a truth I say unto you, that he will make him ruler over all that he hath. Blessed is the servant who is faithful who was diligent at work, not just when the master was present, but when the master came back, he was faithfully working and serving. He was prepared for the occasion. He says, blessed is that servant. He will be made ruler over all. This morning I feel like, honestly, this week I have, I know I've said this before, but I just felt 
so full. I had excitement. I, I had a, a, a desire, a readiness, a, a passion to share some of these simple truths this morning. But maybe as much as anything, I, I genuinely feel like I am just pleading with you. I'm, I'm pleading with you to, to step back, to look at your life, to look internally, to look in the mirror, however you want to say that, and say, am I waiting and watching? Am I prepared? Am I seeking the face of God? Am I, is my home in order? It's cleaned up, it's tidied up. The bride was to be pure. Do you know what happened to the bride who wasn't pure? What could happen to that bride? Does anybody know what could happen to that bride? She could have been killed, stoned. The grace of God. I'm not being stoned today because I'm an impure vessel. It's been washed by the blood. Praise the Lord and thank God for His grace. But I'm to be pure and prepared, waiting. And I can, all I can say is I plead with you. Church, Visitor, if it's your first time hearing this, if you've heard it a million times, I don't know. But all I can say is, I'm begging you. <laughs> God is coming. The, the Lord is returning. And it could be another thousand years. It could also be today. It could be tomorrow. It could be six months, it could be three years, it could be 20 years. I don't know, and it's not my deal to tell you because it's, I don't know. There's been benchmarks that have been set. We can look at Scripture and see things and go, okay, it seems like it would be really close now. The same as the bride would be waiting because there was benchmarks that were set for that groom to come back and take his bride. We can see those in Scripture. But my job is not to try to figure out the day and the time and the hour. My job is to prepare and to wait and to watch with anticipation for the groom to come. And I'm going to ask you this. Maybe I'll use this as a bad illustration. But the glass of wine has been given to you. Will you accept it and drink of that cup? Or will you reject it? Will you accept the gift of Jesus Christ and the blood that was shed for you for the sins that you have committed, the sins that I've committed? Will you take it and drink of it and say, I need salvation in you? Or will you reject it? Many of you that sit here, I no doubt believe that you know Jesus Christ. 
you've been sealed by the blood. You know Him as your Lord and Savior, and I praise God that you have, but I'm asking you, are you waiting and watching and prepared with anticipation for the return of our Lord? Are you ready for the guy that's next to you at your cubicle to say your name and say, I don't know who else to tell this to, but I just got word that XYZ family member was diagnosed with cancer and I don't know what to say or do. Will you pray for me? Hey, do you, I, I think you know this. That's a door that's opened for you to share. When your neighbor comes knocking at the door and says, I know that you go to church because I see you leave and I see you dressed every Sunday. My dad just passed away. Can you pray for me? It's an opportunity to share. You know what? Sometimes we're just not prepared. And we'll say, oh yes, I'll pray for you. And we shut the door never to address and have that conversation go further. I'm guilty. I think if everybody were to be honest, we'd all say, yeah, we've been guilty. Where we've left the conversation and thought to ourselves afterwards, that was an opportunity and I didn't take it. Will we be prepared? Church, Will we wait and watch with anticipation because we're prepared for the master? Every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. I believe, as I stated, that most everybody that sits here today would probably say, yes, I know Jesus Christ is our Lord and, is my Lord and Savior. Many probably that watch online would say the same thing, that I know the Lord. Can I just ask you, can I make this statement again? The cup has been placed in your hand. The decision is yours. Will we accept it or reject it? You may sit here today and you may watch online and you may have heard the gospel presentation. You may have sat through it so many times. Somebody may have sat down with you before and you had that cup and you passed it by and you rejected it. Can I encourage you? Can I plead with you today? Don't let that cup pass. Let today be the day of your salvation. Can I just plead with you if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior if you're online there's information there to send to us so that we can reach out to you and try to do our best to help you if you sit in here this morning and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior can I just ask that you would be courageous enough that you would have enough courage that you would be bold enough to come to write on a card, to speak to me before you leave. Do not let that cup pass you today. 
believer today, all I can do is ask you to plead with you to say be prepared. Dive into God's word. Dive in with both feet in church. This may be your first time here and as much as I would say I want you to be here from now until whenever, can I just say to you, I want you to find a church that you can dive into, that you can call home and that you can serve and grow and know him better and if Oasis isn't that place, then I wanna help you find that place but dive into church. Give it everything. Don't keep it back. Serve the Lord with everything that you have. Give him everything that you have this morning. And be excited and wait and watch in anticipation for the Lord is returning. Father, I've read these passages. I've heard sermons. I've watched, I've studied. And God, I don't know what, if it's just something that you're doing in me personally or if it's just what's going on around us. But God, I have been so convicted and passionate and burdened that we as a church, that I as an individual would be prepared for you. That I would long to be with you. Lord, the psalm says, as a deer panteth, so my soul longs after you. May we long for you. Church, right where we are, would you just take a minute? You can come forward. You can sit at your chair. Maybe you would say, Pastor, I don't know Christ as Savior, and you would walk an aisle and allow me to show you, allow somebody to take the word of God and show you what God's word says. But would you take a moment and just speak to him this morning? Father God, we thank you for meeting with us this morning. We thank you for your word that you've given to us. I pray that we would not take it for granted. I pray that it would not just be something that we pick up on Sundays, but it's something that we dive into throughout the week, daily. God, that we grow in you. Father, I pray that we would be prepared. I pray that our loins would be girt about. I pray, Lord, that our lights, our lamps would be lit and that we would constantly keep that flow of oil running. 
God, I pray for the opportunities that we'll have this week. Whether that's coworkers or neighbors or friends or maybe it's a stranger that we see at a store. Lord, would you provide opportunities that we would be prepared to share the hope that we have in you. Father, I love you. I thank you and I praise you for it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.